0: Welcome to another episode of Skeptics and Seekers. I'm your host, David the Skeptic, and uh, this is not your usual episode of Skeptics and Seekers. I've got a collection of people with me, and we are going to be talking about uh, the book project Surviving Corona. Believers and non-believers examine their worldview during this time of crisis, and uh, today we've got... uh, Three, count them, three of the uh, authors of the book, myself included. We have Matt on my left. Hello, Matt. Hello. And we have Sarah on my right. Hello, Sarah.
1: Hello, and I'm under the uh, pseudonym uh, or pen name of Sophie Dumas. In the know book, it doesn't really do any afraid.
0: good if you tell people what your secret identity is.
1: It wasn't a secret. It's just a pen name. It's okay. We all know George Orwell wasn't called George Orwell. Really? I think so, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. All, right. All the coolest people
2: have a pseudonym. That's why you and I don't have one, David.
1: What John. Ma-
0: what makes you think my real name is David? Oh, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> don't leave me here on my own in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> my real name is David. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I am nowhere near cool enough to have a pseudonym. Although, although I will... I will divulge this to the listening audience. Once upon a time, I was a musician. Uh, and in that life, uh, I went by the pseudonym of Michael Devon. True story. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's it. Don't bother looking it up, guys. You're, this was before the Internet. Forget about it. Um. So that said, uh, let's uh, let's dive in. There's a there's a lot going on around uh, the coronavirus and coronavirus uh, communications uh, among Christians, and uh, we just had a, a episode a podcast episode at the time of this recording uh, on the Unbelievable, uh, the Premier Network, the Unbelievable show with Justin Briley, uh, who was in fact one of the Gracious contributors to the book. Thank you, Justin, for your uh, efforts there. And uh, Justin brought together a a collection uh, of Christians to uh, talk about uh, the virus. It's uh, unbelievable. Christendom's response to plague and pandemic uh, with Tom Holland, Mike Bird, excuse me, and Reverend Marcus Walker. Let me just... Can I, can I uh, diverge here just for a second? It bugs me when a person has reverend in their name. Um, when I was a Christian, it bugged me. Uh, when people addressed themselves as reverend this or reverend that. Uh, it's, it's one thing for a person to have uh, the honorific of doctor in their name. But I've always found Reverend to be really pretentious for someone who was in a position of service. So that's neither here nor there. Um, that just it, don't they
1: have to have had a so, uh, some sort of uh, qualification to be called it Reverend? Means they had it?
0: to go through something to get it. No, yeah, it actually, does in 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 the Britain, UK it, does, it might, but. Honest, yeah, uh, yeah. in churches in general, it does not. And quite frankly, uh, I doubt that that's strictly enforced in the UK. First of all, who's going to enforce it? If someone is preaching at a church, whether they have a seminary degree or not, people are going to call them Reverend because that's what they think they're supposed to call them. Um, And so, once again, it might have some greater significance in. in the UK, than it does in the US. Uh, people used to call me Reverend every now and then, and I, I would get angry with them. I had no patience with that nonsense. Um, <sighs> n-
1: none, none, I think it means you've been ordained in the UK by the Church of England. I think that's the only time you can use that title. So it's yeah, a specific denomination. Yeah, so you've, got, you've denomination. got
0: Reverend, and then you've got Right Reverend. I don't know exactly what Right Reverend means, but I suspect it's some higher position. Than Reverend
1: <laughs> so, Calvinists, it's the ones that are more right than the other. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's just it's uh it's one of those minor annoyances um with with me it's it's very much a bow down and kiss my ring kind of thing, and uh, to that my response is usually bow down and kiss my, anyway. Uh, family <laughs> family rated um show so um. Yeah, they're, they're- the right reverend means you're a
2: bishop, and most reverend means you're an archbishop, just in case you're wondering. Okay. Somebody you- just hit Google. <laughs> <laughs> it's Wikipedia,
0: which probably means it's wrong if you're a Christian. <laughs> exactly. Well, um, yeah, wow. Sorry about that little rattle, uh, people. Um, watch that be the only thing that anyone talks about for the, for the first week. Um Anyway, uh, Reverend Reverend Marcus Walker, um, one of the guests. I have not finished listening to the show, uh, but I, I did find uh, it interesting that Christians are still having a good talk uh, about the subject, And uh, I wanted to kick us off uh, with this idea of what it is Christians are saying. About the pandemic, obviously none of us are Christians, but we have been Christians, and we have listened to a lot of Christians talk. And I must say, I am very confused about the messaging coming from Christians. Uh, I can't tell if the majority of Christians are are saying, you know, damn the torpedoes and full steam ahead. Uh, we're we're gonna ignore all of the laws and restrictions and uh, meet in person and go to church and that's that's the only way to really fight the pandemic is with the supernatural protection of Jesus or is it the Christians uh, who say yeah you know I believe in prayer but I also believe in soap uh, so let's uh let's put on the masks and stay home and do uh, church online uh, are you guys getting a, a read on that what are Christians actually? What What is the Christian messaging for, for this? Mostly, it's the
2: scientific messaging here over in Limey Lands. There are a few standout people, mostly of the very fundamentalist uh, arc of Christianity who are off-message, so to speak, but mostly, certainly all the Christians I know on a more personal basis, they're they're sticking with the uh, the lines that the scientists are saying which is keep clean socially distance and uh, stop this bugger from spreading. Uh I don't know if now's the time to bring up that horrific thing called the pandemic video. Um that's come up on my social media feed a few times but every single person that's shared that on the social media that I've got, um, that I've seen, is somebody who belongs to the fundamentalist arc of Christianity. Uh, So I think those are the people that are off-message.
1: Okay. No, I've, I was forwarded that by a friend, but she's not. Uh, she's not in theistic leanings of any kind. But um, um, yeah, I'd say. Well, in the UK, I believe what the Church of England's uh, closed down the churches, and they were pretty strict about that. The, the bishop gave out orders as to what needs to be doing. I know a friend who is a reverend um, who uh, who's a vicar in the Church of England, and they're being pretty strict with things like funerals—only uh, six people at the funeral—and so there was uh, he was overseeing. A, a funeral for seven brothers and sisters who'd lost their parents to COVID, and he couldn't allow one this one extra person because apparently there's police at the at the cemeteries. Or anyway, it sounded uh. all pretty fairly uh, fairly strict, even in the UK. I don't know what's happening in France. It's not something that's come up. I think they've just been told to shut, and that's it. They'll shut. So uh, not not an issue particularly. We're not certainly not seeing the crazy you know uh, types of scenes we're seeing from. Uh, the states where people are uh, are suggesting that they're covered in the blood of the lamb and they're never going to capture a, a virus, but uh, I think people are mostly just yeah doing doing the medical thing.
0: Well, so I live in the states, and uh, I want to thank Tyler for uh, posting this uh, news article. But uh, Tyler Tyler B on the on the blogs uh, posted an article. I just chased it down a little bit, uh, pastor. Tony Spell. Pastor Tony Spell. I'm just going to play a, a clip, just a quick clip. I have had a change of
3: heart, though. At midnight tonight, the governor has asked that we comply with his 25% capacity order. I assure the news media today that we will comply with the governor's orders whenever they sell popsicles and hail and set up an ice skating rink in the lake of fire and sell tickets for admission. We will never comply with any anti-God, anti-church, anti-free American Christian order that says do not have church. Today, I still have this ankle bracelet on. I am arrested in my home. What has changed? What's changed is, starting this Sunday, we will operate at 125% capacity. Starting this Sunday, we will become more vile yet than thus. Starting this Sunday, people from Illinois, Indiana, California, Georgia, and New York, new state, will be in our services in person, where we will preach. The unadulterated Word of God from an unfettered pulpit with boldness that would cause Satan and his imps to cower back into the lake of fire where they belong. So God bless us all. God bless America. We continue to do what we do with a change of heart that says, let's do more of it in Jesus' name.
1: This is how Darwin works. <laughs> so, this is how it works: Election people This selection. is this is America, America,
0: and uh, in America, run by run by Saint Donald Trump. This is how we think. <laughs> um, I find this to be a fairly common sentiment, honestly, uh, and. Uh, is it more common than the than the other kind of sentiment? I can't really get a a read on that. And so it may be obviously, you know, the more sane kind of Christian in other parts of the world. But in America, this keeps cropping up over and over and over again in different parts of the country. Uh another one of the uh, article uh, articles that um Tyler landed on the board was that 3,000 churches in California uh, vowed that they were going to ignore uh, the, uh, the laws in that country and have in-person services on uh, Passover Sunday. Because Passover Sunday is more important than uh, saving a few lives. This is this is America. This is the this is real church, real people, boots on the ground, uh, and it's and it's happening all over here. So um, I I am rather confused on what the proper messaging uh, is supposed to be coming from the church, and if one of these messages is obviously wrong, then what I would expect to hear is the other side uh, denouncing. The people who were who are giving that message. I don't see any of that going on. have Have you seen any of that in in the public sphere?
1: I think we uh, we always have, always used to look over the pond with a, an eyebrow raised and sort of assume that that's what the Americans did. But, you know, you guys are armed. We're not. <laughs> and this is just not the way we operate. I don't know. We always used to look at it with a bit of amusement. I think a lot of Christians in the UK might even say, well, they're not real Christians. And, you know, it'd, it'd just be no true Scotsman fallacy all over again. I don't know. They're just, we'd, we wouldn't pay too much attention to it. But I, th- I think you're right. I think we should call it out. It's absolutely balmy. And then need to stop it and listen to the science because
0: yeah so it doesn't help when we say it because we're we're godless heathens quite Uh, it's this needs to come from other Christians it needs to come from I agree uh, you know official church channels you know the pope needs to have something to say about it I know that you know America we don't care that much about Catholicism but I mean that would be an official channel right Um. Uh, I would want to hear the Church of England uh, say something. You know, whoever the head of the Church of England is, isn't that isn't that the Queen? It's <laughs> the,
1: the Queen, way.
2: yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Although she tends not to interfere, the person you really need to look to is the Archbishop of Canterbury. Yes,
0: I would. I would like to hear that. I would like to hear, um, you know, some of the uh, people in America who have risen to a place of. Prominence, you know, uh, Pat Robertson could come out and say something good, um, you know, for a change. Jerry Falwell could come out and say something sane, Um, you know. Whoever whoever deems themselves the the spokesperson, but none of these. I I think all of these people uh, who are in high positions of authority either think the way the crazy ones think, or have have, or have strong sympathies uh, toward these crazy ideas they want to be in a position to say look at what god look at what protection god is giving us they 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 have their speeches ready when the pandemic is finally over how their how prayer overturned uh satan's grip
1: so what did you used to think when you saw the crazy were you in line with it or did you just think they're nuts and watched it from afar because that's I think that's all we used to do we well, didn't really never thought about calling yeah, it out I
0: remember my denomination was uh, thought that everyone else was going to hell anyway, so I mean they were right they were we didn't side with them what are you what are you talking about they were, <laughs> yeah, yeah they were, as, so they they were, were wrong, as, heathen as right they were as heathen as atheists as, as far as um, we were concerned so uh we didn't have a a lot of alliances there, and as far as uh, the crazy in our own denomination—it's a—it's a split bag. Um, it depends on where you were because we had uh, conservative branches and liberal branches. And the conservative uh, crazy branches of our denomination are conservative and crazy, and the liberal branches are uh, stay-at-home yo. Uh, so it's once again—it's—it's it's a a situation where the messaging is very confused, and there is no strong voice coming out of the church. Uh, giving a word of knowledge from the lord uh about what it is Christians should be doing or thinking and uh, as as a uh, an atheist i don 't know I don't, I don't i don't know what the Christian position is and so it 's really you know i'm the Christian position is everything it seems like if there 's a god he 's a very poor communicator.
1: Well, we had the oh. show today on Unbelievable, which had the, the English side of it. Well, mind you, there was an Australian on there as well, but it was all fairly measured and calm and there's no kind of going out and uh, ignoring government advice or anything. It was just all about the history and how the church and had set up hospitals and um, it was more that kind of slant they yeah, had on. Yeah, calling it, a
2: hospital after one old saint who is related to something to do with getting better doesn't... N- automatically make the whole of christianity so much better for for humanity (laughs) let's get things into perspective here i it would properly it was properly a a forehead meets desk when i heard that comment on you know so what if you've called a hospital saint joseph's or saint bartholomew's or saint thomas's or whatever you know these these are sainted people from a from a christian culture who are related to to wellness and, and healing that doesn't automatically Make the whole of Christianity so much better for uh, for humanity and uh, and for people. It was such a tenuous link. It was terrible.
1: Well, I was happy to, con- you know, concede with them that they uh, they had a point. Some of the early hospitals or whatever were created by Christians. I mean, one everybody in the past pretty much was a Christian in theory. You didn't really have a choice; you just were. Um, so there is that. So the chances of it being uh, Christian at origin is fairly high. But um, you know, all well, right also, they had that's a great idea. The money was, you know, if
0: you,
2: well, if you well, wanted to no, start the
1: hospitals selling. were free. I guess, I, and no, you didn't do
2: business. Were, you, you couldn't do business if you didn't stick uh, stick with your religion. You know, it's uh, right.
0: the way yeah. no, When I say that's <laughs> where the way money was worked. with a, with regard to the hospitals. What I mean is, if you wanted to build a hospital, uh, if you wanted to do something like that, you needed you needed money. You needed patrons uh, to be able to fund that sort of thing. Um, and uh, education uh, was, you know, largely controlled by uh, the church too. And so, if you're going to, you know, oftentimes uh, people who would have had the education to run something like that or be, um, you know, have have medical knowledge uh, would have been uh, on the Christian side of things. And so it's mm. it, it's a little bit like, uh, you know, in Muslim countries, uh, you know, hospitals are built by Muslims <laughs> because that's what, exactly, that's what yeah. it's going to be. Yeah. Yep. You know? I mean,
1: the church owned everything, the land, all the all, yeah, all the land and the money in the country. And so so they set up but all right, fine. We can, but we can accept that they did set up some um, some hospitals. But who runs the hospitals now? It's the state in the UK. So um, it was after in the 1940s when they set up the NHS, and it was a Labour idea, I believe. And uh, you know, so and it's free at the point of delivery, and has worked reasonably well. But it's obviously creaking at the knees. But you know, it's the state that runs these things because we've picked the the good ideas that um, they came up with, and and it's been built on. And maybe they did bring up these ideas by pulling themselves up by the bootstring because of the messages the kind of good messages in the bible about uh, loving one another and serving one another and binding up the wounds literally um but uh, you know it's just cherry picking isn't it you can go inquisition and uh, the um witch burnings and uh, uh, the the Magdalene sisters, all the nuns that used to take the babies off the unmarried women and give them away, and you know you can just pick the bits from history that that paint you in the in the good light. But fine, they they created the hospitals. Let's give them that, um, and uh, the, the, but you know that you can't keep resting on your laurels for the forever. Um, it's it's something they contributed. Thanks for that, and and now it's controlled by the state. So. So, I don't really know why they keep going on about it really.
0: Before moving on, I actually <laughs> want to double back uh, to Pastor Tony Spell uh, i this This might generate some discussion. Uh, I hope it does, uh, but um, what I want to know from from Christians, because I've gotten in trouble with this kind of thing before, um, he seems batshit crazy to me, okay? The things that he's saying. Seem to be batshit crazy, obviously so. But from a Christian perspective, um, what Christians, some Christians, um, think that I am um, too too free, too quick to call Christians crazy. Um, so, is is this guy crazy, or, or is he? Um, do you think he's perfectly sane but just maybe a little wrong about his advice or um or or what? If if in one another one of the things that I've been accused of is kind of uh picking the low-hanging fruit. You know, you're just you're just cherry picking um and using the worst possible examples to make Christianity look bad, to put it in the worst possible light. Okay, great. Is is this guy does he represent the worst possible light for Christianity? If so, why? On what basis do you do you say that his doctrine is bad for Christianity? Why is he obviously wrong? Uh, why should I look at him and think that he's obviously nuts? I know why he's obviously nuts from a secular perspective. I don't know why he's obviously nuts from a Christian perspective. Uh, so... Uh, hopefully someone will start that conversation in the comments Um, why if you're a Christian and you think he's crazy and you think that I'm just picking on a crazy person why do you think he's crazy please explain that Um, how can I identify the crazy ones from the not crazy ones because this guy is not alone I could have played 10 other clips from 10 other prominent pastors he's not alone so why is that view obviously crazy christians um so before we move on do you guys have any thoughts about that uh just uh,
1: just out well, of curiosity I would say, yeah no he i would say if the christians would say well he's ignoring whole swathes of the bible god never promises a good time so um you know a totally pain-free existence you're still going to suffer it's not it's not a um a get out of jail free card in the world so you'd be stupid to take risks um uh so yeah i I think a lot of christians might just say that it's it's just you're not protected in some special way you're still going to be open to the natural issues of the world so um but you're you would say you're just, you're just an
0: atheist who doesn't believe in supernatural protection Christians do believe in supernatural protection uh, they don't believe it necessarily then they happens don't know every time
1: but then they don't know you know the thorn in Paul's side and the uh, whichever one had the tummy ache or the disciples you know was it Timothy or somebody who had the tummy ache? Also Paul. And, and they and they all had or Paul again yeah having a little bit of wine to help his his stomach um you know they still had they still had disease and problems and death and so that being a Christian doesn't Mean that you're going to be exempt from these things. So you're right to take precautions, and it's the same thing as not letting your f- two-year-old child play in the middle of the road. It's uh, yeah, but so uh, it's, it's just this. But we're not, to, and forsake, we're not spin. to
0: forsake the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhort one another all the more as you see the day approaching. Uh, this is Bible, uh, and we ought to obey God rather than men, and man has made a law that essentially says, Christians, you can't uh, go to church. Um, now, who, who ought we to obey here? Who ought we to trust here? Why is this guy crazy? I don't, I don't see anything that you're saying that should make this guy uh, crazy. Matt, is this guy crazy or a good Christian?
2: I don't know I'm misguided (laughs)
1: Um,
2: hungry hungry for money from those prepared to give it to him you you know a con man will say anything if it makes him a little bit more wealthy is he crazy to is crazy to uh to stick by that as a as a lifestyle policy possibly not maybe he's wise
0: Um. maybe he's far more clever than we are this hasn't made me rich So one of the things that uh, I don't hear anyone talking about, I don't see it uh, in discussions online, uh, is the money aspect of it. Yes, we're going to get to the book here really soon. Uh, There's a money aspect of it, though. Um, Churches are businesses, and they need a stable income, just like any business. And preachers are a lot like CEOs of the business um and they make their living uh off of the income from the church so preachers have a strong incentive uh to keep church services going to keep the money coming in because i can imagine i, I don't know this for sure and this is this is once again if someone has some data on this i would love to see it but my guess is that the take from uh online contributions is a lot lower than the take from in-person contributions. And uh, when people aren't going to church, they're not giving money. That's that's my take. And so churches, like any businesses, have to have a reopen strategy uh, if they're going to stick around, uh, because they can't go uh, for months and months and months without people coming and putting money in the collection plate. Just, just as a, a business proposition, they can't survive that any more than restaurants can survive without patrons.
1: But Don't do church members most, pay
2: sorry. from their salary on a direct debit on a monthly basis? That's
1: what I was going to say. I, said, I was going to say most people are on direct debit you're, with the church. You don't European, tend to put a lot You claim the tax back, don't
0: you? <laughs> yes. this, is, this is one of these places uh, times when I'm outnumbered. By, <laughs> by barbarians, uh, in, in the, the, in the,
2: motherly- the offering
1: plate is just for, for change. It's no, not for very much. It's no, no. Uh, the, the the main. It's just thing for the
0: extra you put on
2: top you, of you what you guys
1: you're do, that to do. Yes,
0: at all, there is no uh, drawing from salaries and so forth in the American church. It is it is all based on people putting money in trays. Okay. Really. Yes, really. These guys need to get with the 20th
2: century, man.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm sure there will be some legislation about that coming soon, but right now it is based on butts in the pews and dollars in the trays. That's what keeps these churches going. Um now, there you know, churches from time to time get large endowments, you know, when people die, people uh, sometimes leave estates uh, whole estates to churches and things like that; those are good. That that helps fund the bank account. A successful church has you know a a pretty healthy bank account right now. But the the fact of the matter is, uh, your average podunk church, uh, you know, they have a budget and they are they are running uh, over budget every year <laughs> all the time. Their 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 finances are. Uh, terrible i 've seen i 've seen a lot of it. in fact um, there was a time when I was putting together a research project. I was going to write a book on it this was several years ago about church finances uh, how how churches are really run uh, and uh, I pulled together a lot of uh, resources on uh, just grand a lot of statistics and I pulled together a lot of church budgets uh, that were online at the time a lot uh, that I was able to get people to send me. Um, I've sat in more budget meetings than I can count. And I can tell you the, the church budget for the average American church, uh, it, it's, it looks like a failed business. In fact, it looks kind of like a government in, in a sense, because they're not, the the budgets are just kind of suggestions. They're, they're always in the red and this is why they always need people to give more money. Um, You know, year over year, they are they're in a deficit. And so churches in America really cannot go on uh, very long without people coming in and putting money in the tray. Once again, it's it's a business run a lot like a restaurant. It it really depends on in-person receipts.
1: That's why they're all getting so up, uppity, I guess. Whereas uh, ours is far more civilised. We had the Church of England owned loads of land and property and things. I guess they must have sold stuff off over the years. Uh, the vicars uh, don't depend from their congregation. Particularly, they have a stipend. So it's not actually an income. It's called they have a yeah, they have a stipend instead. So I don't know if they they then. Yeah, it's for their needs, um, and I think they're doing okay. They're doing all right for now. And as I say, they'll just sell a few more assets. They, I think they ha- they raise a lot of money through, I don't know, weddings and churches and funerals and things like that. Maybe.
0: Well, this might be why the church is so calm uh, in Europe yes. during this time because they're not uh, they're not having to fire preachers or figure no. out uh, how they're going to pay. You know, their the mortgage payment on their building in America, mm-hmm. the the mortgage payment is still due, and uh, the, no, no government is sending them checks. So, um, yeah, it's a it's a very different. Um, Atmosphere, atmosphere here. So, uh, none of us talked about that in the book. So, I will um, – Okay. No, but I'd like to pick up something else though on money before
2: you run away on, on something else, because sure. uh, I think this is relevant to, to the subject going on and uh, the way churches uh, and r- religious organizations in general financially operate. A lot of people have had holidays booked for this month and uh, last month for for a, a spring vacation or or holiday, as we say in in proper English world uh, to go away and holiday organizations, because of legislation that they 're committed to and bound by you know will will have had to have refunded people th- their deposits or their holiday fees because they 're not going to get their holiday, and they 're going to have to have relied on insurance to to cover over some of their losses. Now, something else that happens here in the UK every Easter is there are various Christian organisations that do holiday weeks so that cover the Easter period, and uh, all, all the good Christian folk will go away to these holiday weeks, which are usually run in holiday camps uh, around the the UK parks, which uh, operate over the summer as uh, holiday parks. But generally, over the Easter period, it's too early for the standard holiday season here in the uk so church organizations tend to hire these these camps and parks out to do something over easter and so people stay on these parks so for the easter week and they'll do attend all sorts of seminars and stuff and so they'll pay several hundred pounds to to the organization for this and uh lots of people i know because Because of my Christian past, I have a lot of Christian friends because I've got family who are still Christian. So I'm aware of what's going on here. Uh, And so Spring Harvest is one of the names it spans about. There's also New Wine as well as one of uh, the others. And there are various other ones as well. New Frontiers, I believe, is another one. Um, Anyway a lot of these christian organisations when the whole cancellations started coming over due to this coronavirus related uh, lockdown they started emailing the people who had uh, booked holidays asking them to consider donating the money that they paid for their holiday back to them uh, in order for them to keep going financially because if they had to refund everybody their their uh, refunded booked fees for for the non uh, happening yeah of the camp uh, they would be out of business and there'll be no camp next year and you know because of the circles i'm mixing i've seen a couple of those emails the only people that have received these emails are people who have booked with these these Chris camps i've not seen this kind of email from any other kind of uh, legitimate holiday company and there's only this only means one thing to me it's bad financial operation
0: and i'll just leave it at that Well, so something similar um, happens over here, but not uh, not with regard to camps. Uh, The U.S., uh, Donald Trump, out of the goodness of his heart, out of his largesse, uh, has um, been uh, handing out, I say Donald Trump, the government has been handing out, Donald Trump would like you to think that it comes from his bank account. Uh, We have uh, received uh, coronavirus stimulus checks, some of us have received them. Um, they are intended to stimulate the economy. So, this, stimulus checks are a thing that happens here from time to time when some great economic disaster um, happens, and uh, the the idea is let's give money to the people, and people are stupid. What they're what they're going to do is go spend the money on. Uh, On something, uh, and so the businesses uh, can keep going. So they basically give us money so that we can give it back to businesses and recirculate it into the economy and so forth and so
2: on. So the toilet roll industry doesn't die a death during uh, lockdown?
0: Sure, except it's not the toilet roll industries. It's uh, it's Apple iPads. It's uh, Samsung Galaxy phones. It's, uh, you know, stuff. The economy, the economy needs to be stimulated, man.
2: Having mentioned toilet paper, that's given me, that's <laughs> so, given me a
0: mental It's probably not very helpful. Probably not. But, <laughs> not. but um, yeah, stimulus checks. And so the um, stimulus checks uh, are, yeah, let's see if I can remember, I want to say uh, $1,200 for individual, $2,400 for a couple with an additional uh, $600 per child, $500 per child. Um, Something something it, like that. Is it
1: means tested or just everybody's had it? Uh,
0: it's means tested, but so if you make over $100,000, then you get a slightly smaller check. But, oh. but you're, getting, you're getting some money. You've got to yeah. be pretty rich to not get some stimulus money. Um, so um, that said, uh, one of the things that you will see uh, here in America are churches asking people to send them their stimulus checks. No! <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, that's so, <laughs> so no, no, no.
2: that is Well, a just thing. send them the check, or you cash the check, and yeah. then you give money well, yeah, the money to church. Well, yeah, cash
0: the check and give it to the church. Give, give them, you know, you're <sighs> oh, getting stimulus money. We awesome. know you're giving stimulus money, and so you're going to, you know, the church needs, the church has needs give us this is going on this is a thing that's happening in america because that's how we do so it so
2: can i just ask a straightforward question on that name does this mean there are people who are who need that money genuinely need oh, that yes. money because oh. they they've um, yeah. they've they've lost their income stream either because they're a self-employed uh, construction worker and they're just yes. not earning money uh or their company is a bit of a bastard yeah. and has laid them off, so they've got no income stream. So they genuinely need that money oh, yes. for food and to buy stuff for their children. And the church has gone tap tap tap. You got some money, yep. And does this?
0: And they're actually feeling pressurized into giving that money. I imagine a lot of them are. Um, the church has a long history of guilting the poorest among them to hand over uh, their money. Uh, and would, would this
2: go as far as somebody would actually be, be holding a spreadsheet of which members of the congregation have uh, given money?
0: I, I imagine that the churches that run themselves like a business are doing just that. I mean, look, when you talk about need, let me just, let me just um, uh, say, even if you're making $100,000... Uh, You might need some stimulus money, uh, quite frankly, because uh, here's the here's the truth of the matter. Uh, Around two months ago, uh, everybody who was not um, considered essential in uh, California and New York was out of work. Once the stay at home orders came through, what you have to understand that that meant is you had to stay home and businesses and they had a list of essential businesses. And if your business was not on uh, in that category uh, list that they had, your business closed that day. You sent people home and you did not open up again. And some of the businesses, or big businesses, and they were able to pay some of their hourly workers and continue doing it. I don't know that Apple, for instance, continued to pay retail workers um, who were suddenly out of work. But most companies didn't do that. If you worked in a mall, if you worked, um, you know, at a lot of restaurants, if you worked, um, you know, if you worked in sales, if you worked, uh, you know, pretty much anything where people worked. You went home, you were sent home that day, and you have not been allowed back to work since. And you have received zero dollars in paycheck. And what everyone has had to do is file for unemployment. Uh, Mm -hmm. And that's been a real nightmare uh, here in America. So this is one of those times where I feel sorry even for rich people. Uh, because a lot of the rich people found themselves suddenly not making any money, <laughs> and uh, you know their um, you know their their ten thousand dollar a month mortgage payment still has to be paid. <laughs> so you can you can you can say you know whatever circumstances got someone to a place where they owe creditors a lot of money. It's irrelevant. They were they were making it work, and all of a sudden they had no resources to make it work anymore. And uh, what we had at that point were loans that we could get and credit cards that we could max out uh, and things like that. And um, New York, they their governor at least had the good sense to put a freeze on evictions uh, when they put mm-hmm. in their stay-at-home order. Because they, they recognize that people can't go to work. <laughs> and rents are high. Uh, people, people aren't going to be able to pay their rents. In New Jersey, there is no such freeze. Uh, and so when that order came down, uh, there was real consternation in my house about how we were going to pay our rent. Um, didn't wasn't sure. Now we've been we've been managing and making that work, but a lot of people haven't been. And the um, our apartment uh, management company um, that we uh, that we rent from, you know, they send out emails every month, especially during that. During uh, March, they were they were frantically sending out emails almost every day, just reminding people: "Look, we're sorry about uh, the circumstances. We know what's going on, but your rent is still due. <laughs> it's and uh, and if you do not pay it, there you will be evicted. <laughs> you know they were little little love letters, um, and everybody uh, would have been getting those. There was there was no protection in New Jersey, and I imagine, a lot of places, and so uh, yes." People needed the stimulus money. They absolutely needed the stimulus money. Um, And uh, churches were absolutely saying, hey, um, I see you got a stimulus check there.
1: But is is it because um people don't direct debit and things like that because they can't claim tax relief on their giving? Whereas I think in the UK, if you give to a church, which is a registered charity, um, the church can claim back the, the tax you've paid on it. So yeah, I mean we have um, we have tax
0: tax relief on that for contributions mm-hmm. given to the church. But it look it makes no sense to ask someone to uh, give you their stimulus money because they need that to pay rent. And yeah. by, they yeah, literally yeah. don't have a paycheck anymore. They were receiving $3,000 a month in their job. Um, and now they're receiving no money. They, mm-hmm. they don't just have to pay rent. They've got to buy groceries. Uh, they've probably got to buy a computer now uh, because their kid's doing school online um all of these all of these things are uh, a part of the secondary effects of uh, this coronavirus effort uh
1: uh, but you guys, you guys have notice periods? I mean, you can't just make people, even in the UK, I think it's like people were put on furlough schemes. The government was paying extra stuff. There was like holidays on taxes. Everything's been pushed back. You can't affect anybody in France. Um, yeah, there's emergency lines to phone if you've got, you know, uh, difficulties. And so they've been really sensible about it here. And I think yeah. most people are sort of okay, but, you know, we are socialists. You, <laughs> you
0: got the wrong idea about the States. <laughs> so. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, it's, it's harsher at the show. yeah
0: well it's you know when times are good times are very good uh yeah and uh when times are bad times are very bad but we're we're a lot more independent uh here in the states, and there are fewer safety nets uh in place, mm-hmm. but you know that's you know we have a lot more freedoms we have a lot more ability to make more money uh when times are good mm-hmm. and so that this is this is kind of um Political, geopolitical argument that's not worth having here but yeah what the, the flip side of that is uh there are fewer safety nets uh especially for people uh who are what what would be called middle class there are a lot fewer safety nets uh for those people and they tend to be living on very little savings and they need uh every bit of money that they uh that they make uh, to survive, and there there are very few families that are more than uh, you know three or four paychecks away from poverty. Mm. So um, that's that's America, and uh, so the the churches in America who are going after people's stimulus checks, that's what they're going after. Uh, it is particularly despicable. Uh, So that said, uh, like I said, none of us, none of us wrote about that. (laughs) So (laughs) I'm not sure why we didn't. Um, Maybe uh, this will be in the section of things that we didn't uh, write about. And I was going to kind of start with that, but we've we've talked so long without talking about the book, which is ostensibly what we're supposed to be talking about, uh, I just want to say that the Christians will have their turn. And if uh, your favorite Christian author uh, does not uh, get an interview and it doesn't show up on this page, it's not because I didn't ask. Um, You know, they, they have their own schedules and they're Calculus for you know what shows they will do and what shows they won 't and so uh, I will assure you that I will be trying to bring everyone on one at a time uh, to uh, to have a chance to highlight their uh, contribution to the project um, so it 's not it 's not just a bunch of atheists uh, talking down christians we're i 'm getting us out of the way first, and everything else uh, from here will be christians <laughs> so um, you have that to look forward to. So we have a we have a lot to get out of our systems before um, before that starts. Uh, that said, uh, Matthew, I want to start with you. I know you hate me starting with you. You wrote um, two essays uh, in the uh, in the project. I just want to um, pull out a quote uh, from, from you, if that's okay. Um, in fact, I, I was going to have. You do a dramatic reading of it, but um, that's okay. I'll stumble through it. Uh, in the first essay, you were talking about the necessity for uh, testing. Uh, you testing your uh, theories, your worldviews, uh, and how at a time of crisis is more important than ever uh, to make sure that your worldview is on a solid basis, a solid testable basis. And... Um, what you let me just make sure that I've got you here, actually. Is this not, a
2: paragraph that starts through natural, testable, repeatable means?
0: It is not. It is the one that starts in these uncertain and high-stress times. Um, so, uh, I'll give you five seconds to find that, and if you do not, I will read it myself. Um, in these uncertain and high-stress times, Uh, you say. I don't begrudge those who, in seeking for something to bring a moment of calm, latch on to a conspiracy idea. If that's what is needed for someone to be able to cope, then I can very easily forgive them that. The problem begins when what started out as comfort. From the chaos is preached as though it were undeniable truth. Personal coping strategies should not be confused with proof, and they are not an excuse for peddling nonsense. Needing to believe something in order to cope is not a license to infect others with that same belief. Your comfort does not protect your ideas from being scrutinized. Matthew Taylor
2: That's everybody. awesome. That should that should be in a qu- that should be on a poster. That yeah. is awesome. Who <laughs> Post- wrote
0: that? <laughs> Posters being made up as we speak. Um, so Matthew, do you remember the context that you were writing about there? It's probably because I was
2: fired up by some of the conspiracy bullshit that I've seen around about COVID-19 on my social media feeds, And as I said earlier, 100% – well, actually, that's not actually true – for Certainly for the pandemic video, 100% of the people have shared it have been those associated with uh, really fundamentalist Christianity. But there's been a lot of conspiracy nonsense about it. Um, sadly, Bill Gates has been a subject of a huge amount of that. And so I was a bit fired up by a lot of that utter, utter contemptuous nonsense uh, when I when I wrote that. And so I probably wrote that through a haze of red. <laughs>
0: Yes, um, that is that is definitely the context that it was from. Um, yeah, Bill Gates, uh, just a word. Bill Gates is a terrible human being. Um, he's sorry, trying people. to
2: kill us all. He's trying yeah. to kill 25% of the population of the world. Listen, he's he
0: is a terrible human <laughs> being, and all of that is true, except he has nothing to do with his pandemic people. Come on, get, <laughs> please. Um, Bill da- Bill Gates, in his post-Microsoft interview, uh, years his his second act if you will is trying to do uh something good uh and you know he's fighting malaria and uh, things like that uh he's a philanthropist now but as a as a business tycoon he was one of the worst human beings american america has produced uh, and so for all of the things that people hate the young Bill Gates for, it's all true and more. <laughs> you, you don't know the half of it um, but uh, he has nothing to do with the, with the pandemic. please stop the bullshit please stop the bullshit um, and um, along those lines five 5g towers are not spreading coronavirus. please stop attacking. <laughs> 5g towers we've been
2: that we've had people in the uk setting 5g uh, mobile phone towers alight in protest against
0: what are you doing we've got we've got such a problem with bandwidth in the world and now that we're actually starting to get to a technology that might help you are burning down the towers what the hell are you doing stop it (laughs) Oh, yeah, and then they're
2: getting home and they're going, oh, I can't watch YouTube because there's no mobile signal. And they're not putting it together that five minutes ago they burnt down the telecoms you tower.
3: burned down the tower. Let's, let's
0: stop. So this, these are the types of things that were going on, I think, at the time um, that uh, Matt wrote this. Uh, Matt, you took a very conciliatory tone uh, at the at the first part of this. Uh, anyway and i just wanted to get some uh comment from you about that i mean you you're actually saying look if 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 uh conspiracy theories and other nonsense uh you know give you peace some some kind of solace during this time knock yourself out
2: yeah and uh i i endorse that you know because people use Yoga and meditation and uh, all sorts of strategies for, for for gaining solace and and a little bit of a respite from from the reality that's uh, outside of their skin. I'm I'm all for that if that's it. It doesn't for me. For me, it's sitting on the sofa with an Xbox controller in my hand and doing a couple of hours of Assassin's Creed. You know, and that that's me. And I'm sorted and I'm calm and I'm ready for another beer afterwards. But if if doing if if, you, if um, your route to calmness is not the same as mine, yeah, fine. Take whatever road you need, as long as it gets you calm at the other end. But do not, under any circumstances, preach your road to me as though that's the road that I should take as well. That's basically where I draw the
0: line. That uh, almost sounds like it could be expanded to religion in general. Did, did you have that in the back of your mind at all? I,
2: I I did, and there was absolutely a parallel there. I'm quite fine with people if they want to have re- religious practices, and I don't care which god it is that they they want to worship in, and I mostly don't care how they want to, to worship that god, so long as the only person involved and the only person affected by what they're doing is them themselves. It's when what they're doing encroaches on un- onto other people who may be unwilling to have that encroachment. That's where I would draw the line.
0: Okay. So I've got uh, another quote from uh, Matt, but I'm going to save that uh, until later. I want to go to Sarah. I've uh, pulled a quote from her. By the way, I didn't pull any quotes for myself. Um, So, oh, well. Um, Sarah was in a difficult place in the book. Uh, She was uh, she came after two uh, fire breathing Christians? Uh, Randall Rouser uh, kicked it off, and followed by Natalie Collins. I, I have not uh, told Natalie Collins this, but I hope to have Natalie Collins uh, on next <laughs> to talk about her chapter. Um, she probably would not like me calling this out. Natalie Collins dropped an f bomb. <laughs> in the book. Thank you, Natalie. <laughs> and you wonder why I like her so much. <laughs> um, so uh, she, uh, she, was, she was a real fire breather. I loved her chapter um, each, each time I've read it. In fact, I've probably read her chapter more times than uh, any, of the, any of the rest of them. So uh, we'll, uh, we'll have a chance to talk to her uh, real soon uh, about that. But uh, Sarah had to follow that and uh, and then there was another Christian right after her. So uh Sarah was the first uh skeptical voice uh in the book. And uh Sarah uh focused on a comparative um uh, I I wish I had the name of that chapter up here. I did, I used to. It was comparative pastors
1: as apologists.
0: Yeah, it was... That's the, what I called it. Well, you see, there's what you called Although it. I there's, mentioned John there's, and... there's what I renamed it um, for the book. And um, I don't exactly remember what that was. Here, let me just open it up. Um, this, is, this is good preparation. Give me just a second. Yeah.
1: I think page 45, I called it. it. Well, I... I called it pastors and apologists and compared various views from Justin, from John Lennox, Nikki Gumbel, Esther O'Reilly, N.T. Wright. Um, that's where I, I quoted some of the things, as well as dear Kenneth Copeland, who uh, who did a fairly amazing.
2: You must have reached a long way down the barrel for that one, Sarah. Wow! Well, I so just
1: I thought it was good to put the crazy alongside the the more considered. Yet? In the in, in the have book, you got
2: your nails cleaned yet? my nails. Yeah, well great from scraping oh, from the barrel. scraping of the, the barrel, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
1: Yeah. Well, it was just to contrast the crazy with you know the considered response of somebody so, like NT so Wright on the spectrum somewhere. For for those looking
0: for uh, Sarah's chapter, it's the third one. It's an essay called A Comparative Perspective from an agnostic ex Christian. Um, and uh, she in uh, it and it is a very good uh, comparative Uh, perspective uh, I wanted to read one quote from that if that's okay Sarah Um, Mm -hmm. and it's from your uh, section where you talked about the plan Uh, do you have that in front of you by chance I do Uh, do you see the paragraph that begins the complacency we see With with evangelicals. So, would you read that paragraph? A dramatic reading Uh, from Sophie Dumas. (sighs) Wait a minute. Is it Dumas or Dumas?
1: Dumas. Dumas. So the S is spoken. Well, it depends if you're going to say it in French or English. If, uh, Dumas if it's French and Dumas is if it's English. But um, anyway. Uh,
0: know, we, compa- we, C- we English speakers aren't so ignorant that we can't say it the French way. Uh, no? okay. Parlez-vous français? Uh, oh, a dear. dramatic... <laughs> 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 so, uh, folks, I actually took a little bit of French in uh, college because I was a... I was a uh, singer art student thing person and um, that was kind of my major for a while and um, class- classical voice so we had to be able to sing in French and uh, all of the romance languages uh, my, my French was very bad it was very <laughs> it was very, very bad uh, a dramatic reading from Sophie
1: Dumont the complacency we see with evangelicals in the USA and elsewhere to climate change and to this pandemic does not fill me with hope, but rather incredible concern. We're registering disastrous results from the megachurches that ignored luck lockdown with defiant pastors and attendees succumbing to COVID and dying. The idea that there is a backup plan, and that's in quote in uh, brackets, uh, that the Christians are obviously think is the case, uh, can make us cavalier in our approach. The idea you are covered in the blood of the Lamb that gives you some protection can literally cost you or someone else their life. Yeah, I what to, if there is no plan?
0: I, I wanted to talk about that a little bit because it uh, kind of goes uh, somewhat with the um, clip that I played at the beginning of the program. Uh, it's It's not, to me just about the lives of the people meeting at risk. Now, that, that is important to me. Um, I am human enough to care. I don't want Christians to die. Because I know that most Christians are innocently following what someone else has brainwashed them to believe. They 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 believe it because their parents taught it to them or their preacher taught it to them Uh, and they haven't studied it deeply since then but they're trusted people in their lives who have told them certain things about the world and so they're going with that they're they're not stupid for that they're just misguided and they don't deserve to die for it I don't want them to die for it Um, and so that's that's the first part of that and i've got a lot of christian friends most of my uh contact list in in my phone are christians um, and most of them have been good friends to me over the years so i don't i don't want them to die and i know a, uh, some of those people in fact one of my best friends um you know maybe uh maybe not the sharpest uh tack <laughs> uh, out there but I don't. I don't want him to die, because he believed somebody. Um, so that's very important for me to say. But it's not just about the people who are putting themselves at risk, uh, who are being put at risk by what, in my opinion, are charlatans who ought to be prosecuted uh, to the full extent of the law. And we need new laws so that we can prosecute them to fuller extents. It's it's about the risk. That they are to the rest of society. When when they go back home, they are spreading disease. They are they are all potentially typhoid Marys, whether they ever get sick or not uh, themselves. They can spread it around. And when people uh, like this pastor boast of the people who come out of state uh, come come to his church from out of state because their states aren't allowing church services. Well, then we have a, a an opportunity to reinfect. Uh, people in more states. And it seems like an incredibly selfish thing to do. Um, and so I I wanted to... I was struck by that uh, toward the end of your um, paragraph there. I wonder if um, you wanted to comment on some of your uh, thought process there. I mean, the blood of the lamb... Uh, the idea you're covered by the blood of the lamb uh, that gives you some protection can literally cost you or someone else uh, their lives. Talk talk about that, Sarah.
1: Yeah, it's mo- it was mostly from the uh, what's happening in the States in terms of uh, seeing that they had this kind of cavalier approach. And uh, it just it struck me that having given up a theistic worldview, it does focus the mind. You realize there isn't a safety net and it does it does focus. Uh, focus your attention a little bit more you suddenly think no there isn't going to be a new earth and a new creation it's only we've only got this one and we do need to take climate change um, more seriously and uh, I don't know it just it helps you live with more purpose I found that your life is just this one one time and you've got to really treasure it because there's no not necessarily anything afterwards and so for me it it's been a good thing to drop that that theistic view but um, I know a lot of people think there is a plan and um, you know, God's in charge, even though we can't see the pilot, there's somebody, there's somebody driving the plane and uh, there's going to be a second chance and a second coming. But, you know, what if there isn't? It's a big gamble to take. Um, and I know not all Christians think like that. That's, uh, there's, again, it's more of a, a US thing than it is possibly in the UK. But um, we are still, you know, Christians were called to still be stewards of the world. But um, you do... it. You, you do notice a shift in your thinking once you switch sides, um, that you know it might not all work out well in the end, uh, and we need to take it really really seriously.
0: Well, i, I think there's I think it's pretty um, sinister this idea of a plan because it it can paralyze us when when we need to act. So if you think that things are happening in the world because God has a plan that this is a part of God's plan, then you have to ask yourself, well, who are you to go against God's plan? If if the COVID virus running wild through the world is God's plan, um, that it, it would act as a chilling effect I, uh, effect, I would think. If someone could come up with a cure for it, should they? I mean, God's plan is for the virus to happen. I mean, if, he, if God wanted people cured, he would have cured them. He wouldn't have allowed the virus. Um, you know, people, some people think that we should just uh, reopen the economy everywhere and let everyone die who's going to die because it's God's plan. Uh, these, This idea of God's plan can lead us uh, to do very bad things in, uh, in the name of that plan or keep us from doing uh, good things that we need to do because we think, uh, you know, the the thing that's happening is God's plan God's plan so i just i just find the idea of God's plan a very sinister notion <laughs> uh, and especially, you know, for people who think they know what God's plan is. Uh, now- but you're
1: Americanizing it with the crazy again. That's not the sort of plan I was thinking of. It's the kind of overall arching narrative, which is, you know, it's not that he's got this plan, you know, that uh, the coronavirus is part of the plan and those kind of crazy things. No, it's just that overall he's in charge. It's that plan. It's the big arching narrative to life the universe and everything not the minute detail which causes crazy people to go let's not let's not uh, cure corona because it's part of the plan and we shouldn't come against it well, but you've got i'm
2: gonna go and buy myself a cigar having never smoked a cigar ever in my life and in six months time when this is all over regardless of what has happened it's going to be over and I'm going to stick the cigar in my mouth, I'm going to light it, and then I'm going to say in the worst possible American accent that it is possible to muster, I love it when a plan
1: comes together. Eighteen <laughs> <A team> reference.
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Well, so, all right. Um,
2: Sorry, am I not taking this seriously enough for you?
1: Did, isn't that how you viewed plans, Matthew, that it was kind of, an, you know, overall, even if the terrible things happen to you, you're not immune to it In in uh, as a Christian. Um, see, there was the still an overall of, plan. The
2: beauty of believing this is that uh, and uh, repeating this mantra that there is a plan is… Whatever man does, whatever succeeds, whatever fails, however it all results in, that was the plan. You know, and you stand at the end and you look backwards and go, "Oh, wasn't that glorious? He had it in control
0: after all." See, I told you. <sighs> See, that—that's what I mean. And I look—I don't care how you view the plan, whether you—whether you think it's a detailed blueprint or some, you know, thirty-thousand-foot. Uh, just look at the roadmap. Whatever God's plan is, it's a bad plan. It's a bad... Fuck that plan. I don't don't care what his plan is. My plan is to survive and bring as many people with me as I can. That's my plan. And that's better than any plan God has. I invite people to join me in my plan. Um, and and you don't have to guess at my plan. I will tell you exactly what it is in in d- detail. I, I will make it very clear to you so that you understand my plan. There's no guesswork. You won't have different people quoting me and saying, "Oh no, David wants uh, you to wear masks. David doesn't want you to wear masks." No, my plan is very clear. So. Uh, I'm happy to go with that plan if you need a plan. But this idea of a nebulous, the plan of God, I think has caused more harm than the coronavirus itself because there will always be some crisis somewhere and someone will always be muttering something about God's plan. Thy will be done. Why are we wanting the will to be done of a person who releases coronavirus on the world? I don't want his will to be done. And if you want to live, you shouldn't either.
1: But I wouldn't have said that was his plan. It was just the way it is. You've got to kind of take a loosey goosey view of the whole thing. It's like it's happening. It's it. unfolding. He can't help it. It's can. free will. It's blah, blah, All blah. Re- all the normal reasons. But yeah.
0: Well, and uh, it was probably uh, very fortuitous that Thomas Ord uh, followed you i I look forward to uh talking to Thomas about his uh chapter uh he also presented two uh, essays by the way but uh thomas Ord uh, just a reminder is um a Christian who does not believe that God can uh end the coronavirus uh, not, not without
1: our help isn't it
0: well yeah not even i mean it's not that he doesn't want to no uh,
1: it
0: is it is that he simply does not have the power to unilaterally make it go away if he could he would uh, which is
1: maybe the case but then why call him god you know it's epicurus all over isn't it i don't i don't understand that yeah i'm struggling
0: all. to
2: engage with that uh, thomas i podcast contact me let's uh, unpack that conversation because i just don't get the idea of a God that can't, that has, there is something that that God can't do. Because then, by definition, that's not a God.
0: I recommend his book, Uh, God Can't. Uh, It was actually a very good book. It was easy read. Um, And if, you know, for those wondering how his uh, theory works, he spells it out very nicely. And uh, so, whether you are a Christian or atheist, I think that you would enjoy uh, that book. It's a new perspective for you uh, to consider uh, Thomas Ward coming up. Uh, but, um, like I said, I didn't, I didn't pull any quotes for, um, from my offerings, my offerings. If you want to see quotes from me, it covers about the last third of the book. So, um, after, after you have read everyone's recent opinion, you will get to mine. And, um, there's a, there's a lot of stuff there. I would say that of the things that uh, I wrote, what I would highlight maybe is just an overall um, sense of it. So I wrote about strategies uh, for coping that don't work. Uh, and I wrote about it from a Christian and atheist perspective, since I've been a Christian for most of my life, uh, and an atheist for about 20% of it. Uh, I've, I've been on both sides. And so I spoke from my own experience, not uh, speaking directly uh, uh, about anyone's contribution in the book. In fact, um, fun fact, I did not read any contributions to the book before I wrote my chapter, before I was done. Uh, so I was getting them coming in. Uh And I kind of had to manage that, but I made it a point not to read any uh neither from Christians or atheists uh before writing it. so if you read my chapter and you say well he's he 's speaking directly against that guy no <laughs> i I am not because i didn 't know what that guy or that uh, lady was going to be saying um and so i in my outline, I had three God views that don't work. And three kind of atheist views that don't work. And I think that uh, one of those probably didn't make it into the final book. But I, I think the one thing I would say doesn't work for either side that's kind of similar is the faith and hope strategy. And it may come as a surprise to some of you, but yes, even atheists sometimes deploy the faith and hope strategy. Uh, so i'll I'll start there the way it the way it um, manifests itself on the atheist side uh, is in what I call unfounded optimism we have uh at times at least some of us an unfounded optimism for the future. oh things are going to work out things are going to get better uh progress is uh an alterable upward climb uh and if you read uh, Stephen Pinker's book, um, uh, the uh, about our, our better angels, uh, I can't remember, I can't remember the exact name of the book, but he talks about moral progress um, through the years. And one reading that would get the idea that moral progress is something that will always continue, that it is inevitable, and I do not believe that. Uh, so, in all fairness, I'm not sure that Steven Pinker uh, made that statement uh, or came to that conclusion. But one could get that conclusion from reading his book. I did enjoy the book, um, mm. uh, and I would I would say that progress uh, from an evolutionary standpoint, there really isn't a such thing uh, as progress. I mean we we get better at survival. I mean I. You probably say that, you know, and that's true all the way up until the point that we become extinct. And then suddenly we're not so good at it. Uh, but uh, evolution does not select for moral progress. Whatever you say it selects for, it doesn't select for moral progress. And oftentimes the evolutionary curve looks like two steps forward and one step back. It's, it's jagged. And sometimes it's one step forward and three steps back. It's a very jagged curve over the long view, you know, taken from the Stone Age to now. Uh, Yes, it's a very nice uh, upward slope, Uh, but it doesn't have to continue going that way. And so I think that there is a a kind of a faith element uh, with some uh, skeptics who just kind of check out and assume that, you know, by doing nothing, over time everything's just going to get better, and that is not the case. We are the thing that makes things get better, and if we stop making things get better, things will stop getting better. Uh, it's it's a constant fight, it's a constant struggle, and when you stop, we lose. There's, there's nothing in nature that drives us to the next stage of moral progress. There's nothing in nature that keeps us from enslaving one another again. There's nothing in nature uh, that, for instance, has hammered out racial uh, uh, bigotry that still exists. It still exists. There's nothing in nature that stops us from exercising the worst aspects of our nature. We are the thing. That stops us from doing it. And it takes a lot of work and a lot of vigilance from a lot of people who care. And we have to do it and we have to keep doing it. And we have to pass on that desire, that motivation to do it to the next generation. And when we stop, progress stops. And that's just the the way of it. And so I think that um, we often find ourselves in a in a kind of faith position that just assumes it's going to get better. It's going to fix itself. And that's not unlike the Christian faith position. When they find themselves helpless to uh, to do uh, anything effective, they clasp their hands in the universal symbol of surrender uh, that they call prayer. Nothing I can do, I'll send up a Hail Mary, literal Hail Mary, Uh, and pray this prayer. You have my thoughts and prayers. My thoughts and prayers. Uh, I often talk about my thoughts and more thoughts. I uh, sometimes say this just to show the ridiculousness uh, and ineffectiveness of thoughts. Guess what? It's not more effective if you exchange more thoughts with prayers, (laughs) okay? Uh, It's it's not more effective when you do that. Uh, The way we move forward is to find tangible ways to move forward. Uh, we, we cannot just uh, assume the surrender position and throw up our Hail Marys and thoughts and prayers and assume that that's progress and assume that there is something worthwhile about that. Uh, and so uh, for both the Christian and the atheist, I think um, they, they practice a type of faith that simply doesn't work uh, and we all have to shake our, ourselves out of that um
1: on the uh idea of hope i had a little comment because that's um what they, they were talking what pretty much boiled down to that in uh, the unbelievable show this week which was christendom's uh response to the plague so after um sort of patting themselves on the back that christians had set up hospitals and things uh one of the guys i don't know which one it was said that um the church isn't really differentiating itself during this period and again i think they are probably talking about the uk church they're just going with uh secular information and uh, Preachers and pastors and vicars and are all saying, you know, uh, basically uh, social distance, do this sort of thing, and um, let's pray. And um, and they and, and he was sort of lamenting the fact that nobody's come up and said, um, well, actually, I've got something different to offer. I can give you a word from God. I can stand out. We can really be uh, shining examples in the plague times of looking after the sick and everything. And it did struck me as if they're scrabbling around for something that is different that um they can offer and uh at the end i think they basically said uh that the hope in in god and his resurrection uh is the only thing that's they can they can offer at this time because let's be honest god isn't healing people he hasn't helped us find a vaccine he's we're in a world of suffering so they've got they've got nothing to offer um and all they're saying is let's it gives us an opportunity to shine um and we've got this hope but we can have that hope i mean i can have a hope that there's something else after after life i can hope in that that doesn't um that's not just uh, uh for, for christians i've got no proof of it either way i don't know and nor have they but um you know we can all have a hope why not and if that does help you survive this and um, gives you a, a framework to keep your, keep your head together. Fine, I think that's that that's great. And uh, um, but I don't think Christians have got the corner on hope. We can all have a hope—a hope that it all works out, a hope that we our legacy lives on, or that we genuinely, our consciousness lives on. Or we've we've no idea. I think it's fine to say we don't know. And um, and we can share in that hope as well. So the other thing they seem to think was on offer was the the churches giving us a, kind of a transcendental. Um, feelings and the kind of the feels when we go in there that they're uh, something ancient and uh, uh, there's been lots of history there and lots of Difficult times and births, deaths, marriages have all taken place in there. And, uh, you know, yes, if those sort of traditions and rituals mean anything to you. But the churches in the UK always used to give me the creeps. There's loads of dead bodies in them. It's not, we do, we have lots of dead people outside in, in the graveyards. And we have in important, you know, really big churches. There's some important folk that are buried inside them. Um, and they, that just gives you the creeps. It didn't ever give me the feels. But anyway. So I don't trade it in
2: hope. Does it count as hope? I was going to say does it count as hope if I say that I'm hopeful that scientists will find a vaccine to protect us from this virus?
1: Yeah. It's hope. We hope that this works out. It's a it's a desire for things to work out and and a, I mean man does do badly if he, if he if all hope is taken away from you if you 're in a concentration camp somewhere and you have no hope of ever getting out, people do literally die of a broken heart uh, losing the will to live and that kind of thing. Hope is a really important factor in in uh, in humans so i I think any form of hope is good
0: yeah i don't i don't trade in hope i'm sorry and um, here's the thing i I have been uh among the hungry, on the dole with no money, uh, and in the you know in the soup kitchen or in uh, line for to get you know a bag of free groceries uh, from some charity, I've been there, uh, so I know what that is, and I can tell you, uh, you know, the person peddling hope in the person giving me a grocery bag full of groceries, I'm going to go with the grocery bag, every single time. Every time. Uh the person peddling hope, what they are offering you is an empty grocery bag. And an empty grocery bag does you no good. Uh so yes, I understand that it a positive outlook can be useful. But if you want to give me a positive outlook, make sure that I have something to eat. OK, because your 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 best words are not going to fill an empty belling. Uh, so I, uh, I I think that at the end of a program like the one that was put on on Unbelievable, if the if the only thing they say is, you know, the best thing I can give you is hope. Uh, just just uh, trans, trans, uh, translate that to the best thing I can give you is an empty bag. Uh, and, and you can think about all of the groceries uh, that might have been in there had I had I been able to give you something more useful. Um, so all, all too often, Christians use prayer and thoughts and hope as a substitute for doing something. Let me tell you, there's always something you can do. The, this book uh, project, Surviving Corona, uh, was born out of boredom and uh despair uh, i i 've been <laughs> locked down for a while without work, and also the despair that there was nothing that I could do and i and i I just couldn 't accept that. I was seeing news articles about doctors and nurses uh, going into surgery and doing their jobs wearing trash bags. Garbage bags, because they didn't have the PPEs that they needed to be safe. Nurses are still dying today uh, from not having appropriate N95 masks and treating uh, people. Uh, this this created a great sense of despair in my heart and a great sense of ho- helplessness. That that there's there's nothing I could do because... I'm as broke as the person living next door to me. I could, I could empty my bank account and max out my credit cards. And I wouldn't be able to buy a ventilator. Uh, and so I had to ask myself, well, what what marketable skills do I have? What can I do? What can I do to do something? So anything. Uh, and the book project was born. It's because I've got a microphone. I've, I've got a middling ability to make words. And I've got a, a, a handful of friends. How do I pull that together to raise enough money to to give it to a cause to make a difference uh, in a life? That's what it came from. And I'm not suggesting that everybody do that, but you all have something. There's something that you can do. You you know you you go to the grocery store, knock on your neighbor's door, and ask them if you can pick something up for them. There's something that you can do that is more useful than hope. So don't settle for the Hail Mary. Don't settle for the there's nothing I can do that's tangible right now. Yes, there is. There is something you can do.
1: So but do there that. are two different things. You can still be practical, but if you have no hope that it's ever going to help or do it or do any good, then it could d- destroy a person. I can see that hope plays a part in in our existential kind of uh, narrative, as it were. I'm going to say substrates at some point. I'm going to sound like Jordan Peterson. <laughs> <laughs> no.
2: I no. can see the benefit if it genuinely motivates you to go and do something. It's not one or but the if other. if you're sure. the sort of person, if you're the sort of person that would help your neighbour anyway, l- let me give you a very, very personal uh, example. Some one of um, uh, the per- people that my wife and I know personally, she runs. She is the head of a nursing home yeah, in the area. So, as you can imagine, with um, Old, the, the older members of our population they are the people who are most at risk from this virus and she l- wakes up every single morning with a very very genuine concern that today might be the day that the virus somehow enters her home she's managed to ride it so far until today without it doing without anybody that who lives in her her nursing home uh, being infected and she desperately desperately wants to get to the end um, without uh, with that being the same so she lives every single day stressed because she has to do practical things she has to keep on top of her staff she has to keep on top of her policies double check and validate everything that's going on in this nursing home to protect the people that are under her care and every single day for her is a very high stress day hope doesn't get her through those days it's the absolute practicality of going through checklists and there's very little that we can do to to assist her in that job and us hoping that it works for her doesn't do anything for her whatsoever so we're doing a very practical thing and one evening a week we're cooking a meal for their family and we're dropping off on their doorstep just so that one day a week she can come home and she knows that she doesn't have to think about feeding her family because we've done it for her it's a very small very practical thing but it actually means quite a lot to her um but hope plays absolutely no part in this equation whatsoever. But it potentially is a motivator in that it it helps her to to get it through. But I haven't had this conversation with her. I don't know. So I I get David's point in that hope does nothing. If I hope that she gets through another day without coronavirus entering into the nursing home that she's responsible for, that has absolutely zero impact whatsoever on the reality of what happens that day and ditto if she wakes up in the morning she goes oh i hope today is not the day it also has zero impact because what has an impact is her managing the practicalities of of what goes on so i i get there um i i'm fully on board with what david's saying and i i do get your point sir in that um it can help to to calm the soul and r- relieve the nerves because like i say she's mm-hmm. highly highly stressed absolutely every single minute of every single day because she's terrified that this happened and terrified is probably not the wrong word uh,
1: mm-hmm. to, to use here but, um, but if she but- lost all hope that it could get better that her actions were having a um, an impact if if she lost all hope in in the future she would shrivel up and die and that's the hope i'm talking about no, but, not the one okay, that, not but, christian saying oh but, i'm gonna give you hope and it will make yeah, things better rather, no it's it just depends that on what you mean, by I, hope, I don't
2: right. i don't think it's the two yes. sides i think i think not living by her i think living let me just rethink what i want to say i think the attitude of living without hope is not the same as being in a state of hopelessness yeah, I, if you're saying I, I, she's I not would- in a state of hopelessness about what would happen, she's working hard and practically pra- mm-hmm. with practicality of what's going on. Um, but I, in in if I was in that situation, I wouldn't be hopeless about what's going on. But at the same time, I wouldn't be clinging to this metaphysical thing called hope, desperately wishing that something would happen. I'd be in the middle ground with the knowledge that wishing it won't do anything but also raging against the uh the the powerlessness of myself will also achieve nothing either what achieves something is actually uh setting up um a, a list of things that need to be uh, achieved in, in order to to prevent the virus getting in and making sure that the these rules and regulations are implemented and are maintained and making sure that the staff are motivated to maintain that and, and keeping people 's spirits up but i don 't think hope is necessarily the only way to achieve that and not clinging to hope is not the same as as being wretched and hopeless about the situation
1: so let me let me just well, i think j- people without hope are the ones that top themselves you know they're the ones that have give there's not there's nothing more left so they, i think those
2: pe- people who are are wretched in hopelessness are the people that do yes. that
0: so, so mm-hmm.
2: let me let me, let let me just jump in and have, see if
0: i can clarify a little bit if what you mean by hope is the opposite of despair uh Yes mm-hmm. that th- we're talking about good mental hygiene we're not talking about something yes. metaphysical um i think that when the christian talks about hope they are vacillating between uh good mental hygiene and also something that's metaphysical uh and so i think that i think that's where some of the confusion comes from so let me let me just um let me just say emphatically i'm in favor of you know, the opposite of despair, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, you know, whatever. I don't, I don't want people to despair, but I would also say as a practical matter, the best way to uh, step away from the brink of despair is to find a way to act. So uh, pr- practic- practically speaking, um, you know, if, if you find yourself curling up in a ball and waiting to die the best thing that you can do is find something to do that that can engage you uh that is that is stepping away from despair and hopelessness because with hopelessness you you stop there's there's nothing else to do there's no reason to go further this is this is this is the despair that i'm talking about mm-hmm. that is that's so a, we, that yeah, is a bad this, mental yeah. state yeah. that you sh- that yeah. you should not uh Stay in if you find yourself there. Um, and so when I, when I say that um, you need to find something to do that's tangible, um, I, am, I am trying to walk you away from that place where I found myself not too long ago, very near uh, this state of despair uh, where there was, there was simply nothing to do but be afraid of everybody that I walked past and wait to die. Yeah, that's that's no, no I mean. Uh,
1: yeah, that's the it's the lack of despair. It's the it's it's I think a lot of people have hope that um, that humans will find an answer, that life will go on, that we'll all meet again. Those kind of things. That's the hope I'm talking about. There's, there's, well, just that there's what just opposite of nihilism. That's all. Um, so, I mean, I think giving people hope is is a good thing and you can have a hope in that there's a greater purpose or a, a ground of all being, or you know, you can have a hope in that. It's just like, I hope it that's, that's what's there, but um, so it's not all pointless and um, and it's worthwhile doing something. It doesn't excuse you from not not picking up your uh, you know, getting involved in helping other people, it's just that. It's just having a, a reason, a reason to live, a, reason, a raison d'être, really. Um, so,
0: look, an hour, and thirty-six minutes in uh, insight, insight baseball. Fun French. fact: This was supposed to be over in an hour. Um, I, had a, I had a goal of 30 minutes honestly but um, never mind never mind all that you guys didn't need to know that uh, listening audience this is going exactly according to plan um, <laughs> This is every time you go on mic it's only going to be over in
2: about 40 minutes
0: if I didn't say this I wouldn't be able to get guests onto the show <laughs> it's honestly if they, if they still believe it at this point it's on them
2: uh, so. Every time I've been on a podcast with you, David, I've said to my wife, "Sorry, it's going to be a short one." Dave promises I'll be down in two hours. I have never been back downstairs
0: in two hours. I'm so sorry. <laughs> this it's gonna it's gonna end soon. Uh, I do have one more uh, Matt Quofo, uh because Matt wrote two essays. Uh, Matt, do you have your second essay in front of you by chance? Uh, nearly, we I'm had to, we it. had such a wonderful reading uh, from uh, Miss Dumont. Uh, it's the second um, one that I sent you. It's him? the second one, and that one was really short. That it's one. really oh, short, wait. and um, it's got some spelling errors in it. Uh, I <gasps> yeah, be- behavioral. It's got it's got like unnecessary use uh, of oh, behavioral. US be- what the hell? Be- <laughs> um, <laughs> And and we learned English from you guys? Really? (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, uh, uh, it's the one that says, put simply, evolution works, dot, dot, dot. Do you see that paragraph? You will see it. So let me just set this up. Uh, This this essay... Put simply, evolution works. Yeah, that one. You want me to read the whole paragraph? Yes, that whole paragraph. Now, this this essay uh, was on uh, goodness is a human thing. Yeah, goodness is human. Goodness is human, right. Um, And this kind of uh, counteracts the idea uh, coming from from some Christian sources that somehow goodness is Christian, uh, love is Christian, and that when... Secularists uh, are good. It is either by accident or because we're stealing it from uh, Christians or somehow uh, something. But the the origin of goodness would be God and Christianity and so forth. And um, Matt had something to say about that. Matt, a dramatic reading, if you please. Put
2: simply, evolution works on the group and not the individual. As a result, behavioural traits that are beneficial to the group are going to be maintained from one generation to the next. As it turns out, being good to each other, caring for the sick, looking after the frail, is a very effective way of ensuring a group's survival. If ever there was confirming evidence that human behaviour is not tied to the Christian God, it's in the knowledge that caring traits have been identified in mammals other than humans'. The parent that reaches out to grab their falling child is acting on evolutionarily honed instinct. This is ingrained behavior. This is part of humanity. We all have it. It is not the result of a belief.
0: So I uh, I wanted to um, just highlight that and get you to talk about um, your uh, process uh, there a little bit. I, I know that one of the things, it shouldn't, it shouldn't, but it does, it gets under my skin when Christians Try to pretend to have the copyright on goodness, and that somehow, when we are good, we are just either acting as uh, monkeys—monkey see, monkey do—but I mean, we couldn't possibly come up with anything good ourselves, or that um, you know we're, we are using what works in society, but we we got the idea from Christians—we we stole it. From Christians, or, uh, you know, another very popular notion is that, you know, sure, everybody has a spark of goodness, but that's just evidence that there's a God. So, you know, if you're a Christian and you're good, that's evidence that there's a God. If you don't believe in God and you're good, that's evidence that there's a God. So, God wins either way there. Um, what were some of your thoughts when you were writing this? Maybe you weren't as pissed off. Uh, about this uh, Christian tendency, as I get.
2: There. No, that. Um, th- yeah, this is something that's appeared on the Unbelievable podcast uh, quite a few times, and, and Justin is seems to be quite enthusiastic in letting people uh, espouse that. Uh, sickening nonsense is really the only way i it's probably the most polite way i can feel about expressing it this idea that those who are not christians their their morality is being stolen from uh, from christianity that christianity is a source of all, all goodness that we find with insanity that that is like a bug crawling under my skin too. It brings me out in all sorts of uh, unpleasant uh, reactions, and so this that paragraph is is partly in response to that because when you came up with the idea of this book and I knew that there were Christians that were going to be writing about it. I knew that some form of, of this would would come up, or rather, sorry, I imagined that some form of this uh, would uh, come up. I'm not that much of a soothsayer that I know automatically what every Christian is going to write. So, yeah, that was very much uh, on my mind uh, when when seeing that. And certainly in looking at what's gone on, you know, on social media and commentary about the... the uh, covid um, 19 and a lot of stuff that's come up on on facebook is uh, this pilgrim's purse uh, tent in in uh, central park in new york and uh, only christians are allowed to to work there and therefore only christians are doing doing good stuff so yeah there was very much an element of no that that's rubbish christians are not the only people who are doing good in this you know it is possible to to work together with people of all faiths and none to, for the betterment of, of humanity and one particular sect to planting the flag that, and, and stating that uh, only goodness comes from their set of beliefs is, is quite nonsense. So very much that was uh, in my mind uh, when, when I wrote that and it, it's something that needs heading off and I have a, a broader idea of doing something that's much longer winded about that specific subject. Okay, and in fact, actually, while I'm while I'm on it, um, I was um, recording a podcast last night uh, with Andrew for Still Unbelievable, and we we're in- interviewing a guest. And um, without any prompting from myself, when I was asking him about uh, what's causing him to to question his christianity and if being a parent had changed his views at all and uh part of his answer to that question was he said very explicitly uh and i when when i eventually edit it and noted it up some at some point uh, next week uh, go and listen to it because what he says is great um uh, but he says uh, essentially that when he thought about himself as a parent and his children uh, he could not do to his children what the, the human equivalent is of God sending people to hell there is nothing that his children could do uh, to do that and that's kind of the thing that I have in mind uh, where, when, I, when I say that I've gone slightly off course, I appreciate that uh, but it's that kind of thing that goodness does not belong to Christianity
0: okay I, um, I'm i going to let that stand. This is this really is an issue that gets under my skin. <laughs> so um, I have uh, raised my blood pressure high enough. <laughs> yeah, for, it gets for, me too. It really gets me. Uh, I'm just going to make a quick quote from uh, Andrew's chapter. He wasn't able to be here on the uh, show today. His um, uh, essay is called All Natural, and he talks about... Excuse me, the, the fact that um, corona, the coronavirus, whatever it is, is not a supernatural disease, it's not a punishment, it's not um, uh, some result of satanic um, tinkering. It is, a, it is a natural thing. Um, and I could read
2: that for you as well, if you want, David, if that's easier for you.
0: That'd be great. It's a, his, it's a very short paragraph. Uh, it starts with, but it seems to me that this global pandemic...
2: Yeah, uh, I've got it.
0: Okay, if you'd read that, I'd appreciate it. Okay, but
2: it seems to me that this global pandemic has done one thing even better than it has caused sickness. It has answered the question about what solves human problems, and the clear answer is humans. Where Were we to shut down Summit, Shutter, NIH, and Moderna... Stop stem cell research options and focus solely on faith-based solutions. We know the resulting pandemic would be irretrievably destructive.
0: So, um, once again, uh, Andrew had uh, other commitments and could not uh, be here uh, on the on the show to talk about this. But it's a it's a point worth uh, pointing out. This is a this is a human problem and uh if there is to be a solution it will be a human solution and so uh you know if i can just repeat uh thoughts and prayers are uh, about as effective uh for uh the pandemic as thoughts and more thoughts uh this is this is a thing that uh faith needs to kind of get out of the way of and allow uh The big boys and girls in the white lab coats to do what they do best uh and solve a human problem uh, and if that creates controversy, excellent uh Andrew is not here to uh defend himself, so Christians have at him i'm not just throwing my friend to the dogs, but really have at him. <laughs> He'll uh, he'll pop in the comments. I'm pretty sure. Um, So before we go, uh, was there anything uh, that you guys didn't say uh, that you'd like to talk about briefly? Because, I mean, we wrote fairly short essays, except for me. I just bloviated for a long time. Um, But um, was there were there some things that uh, you had on your mind, Sarah, that that uh, didn't make the cut?
1: um i think we've pretty much done the rounds but i think it's interesting for our generation in the west this is probably one of the biggest things we've seen that um, causes suffering so i think it is causing everyone to ask some questions and it really does seem like the theistic worldview doesn't offer that much other than the hope i spoke about and if that's a useful fiction to get you through the day then have at it but um yeah, I don't think there's many, many answers uh, to be gained from the Christian side, particularly. Um, I don't feel any more terrified of dying or not dying from it. Um, and I will say, while we've been on air, I have had a message from a friend who has just told me she's bought the book. So, Excellent. yay.
2: Awesome. Yay, Excellent. money to the Red Cross. <laughs> and I do exactly.
0: want to say uh, that... And she's uh, got COVID, you know, badly. Oh, oh, wow. Oh, dear.
1: It's week seven, eight. Yeah. Oh, one of those long-term ones yeah really long term
0: yeah, well, wow I Thoughts and prayers. I don't know what to, I ought to say. I was—I almost said uh, thoughts and more well, thoughts. She's super,
1: <laughs> she's super positive, and uh, yeah, exactly. And it's she's not she's not a believer in any in any way. But she got straight onto it. She uh, gave some money. She's uh, furloughed with her three kids. They've all had it, um, and she remains positive. She's taken practical steps to uh, organise in the event of death. Her will, sorted out what her last uh, requirements are. Um, and uh she she just refuses to live in fear or worry, and uh that's her that's her motto so um she's frankly showing the rest of us how to uh how how to do it whereas I've seen a lot of fear from the Christian side, I have to say because they're constantly reminding themselves uh, how great their God is and how much he's going to save them et cetera and then he doesn't do a whole lot so well, I'd rather have her worldview
0: I was going to save this for last, but I, I I will say that we've had um We've had people from uh, all over the world uh responding uh to this and I, I get to see where the uh contributions come from and so forth. And so thank you everyone who has um, contributed and everyone who is going to. Uh I I without divulging any personal information, I can tell you that the top two uh donors were not Christians. They were not Christians. Um Christians are you going to stand for that? Really? Are you going to stand for that? Are you going to let atheists and worse uh out-charity you here? <laughs> do not do it. There are more Christian authors in this book than skeptic authors. And yet the skeptics uh have donated. You don't even have to read the book. Uh, just donate. Just click the donate button. It'll it'll still be counted. Don't don't even worry about the download. Christians, there are ways for you to do this uh, and support your fellow writers. But more to the point, don't let it be said that atheists out-donated you. Uh, you're going to have to reach high. You're going to have to reach deep. Reach deep. If you want to be the top donor, I won't tell you what that amount is. It's up there. Uh, have you received a uh, stimulus check recently? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Can we also add that it has been banned from Amazon, which makes it all the more tantalizing and all the more reason to get it. We have been caught up in censorship because it talks about Corona. Oh yeah, You're not uh,
0: going to get this at Amazon, folks.
1: Exactly. So read the book. Amazon doesn't want you to to buy it.
0: Matt, uh, what didn't make the cut uh, in your uh, two essays? What didn't make the cut? I had to fight hard not to
2: search out what um christians uh, had, and uh, specifically um high profile apologists with a book to sell were, were saying about it that because that got me quite in, in sense and i think if i'd written a chapter critiquing that that, that would have just um, made me uh, look unkind and might as might as, might have reflected badly uh, on your book so i wanted to be a bit more positive uh about that, so I put all of those sorts into a completely different set of uh, content. Uh, so, and but that kind of thing is is really quite incensed I me. Mean, I've got lots I could say about that. About people doing uh, live uh, apologist uh, seminar sessions on uh, across the internet, charging twenty pounds a person to to attend and to watch it yeah. You know, and we know where that money's going and it's not going to charity so so that bothers me and that, that incenses me but i had to resist from from commenting about that uh, uh, in my essay
0: so one day i will actually do a project that will uh, make me some money <laughs> this is one, one day probably soon because uh, the stimulus check is gone <laughs> <laughs> and so, but uh, right now we're focusing on um, on uh, COVID nineteen relief. I uh, I don't begrudge anyone um, using whatever talents and gifts they have to uh, to make money during this time. Uh, the people who were counting on public speaking events and things like that; um, those events aren't happening. So their their whole budget for the summer, uh, maybe the fall, it's blown. Uh so I get that. But it it um I think to Matthew's point there is kind of a point where you would expect to see some of these uh kind of big name uh Christian personalities uh you know offering some portion or doing some type of works that is focused on on just charity. Uh and so i get that people need to live first they need to feed themselves first and i uh i guess i was probably a different kind of christian i was a crazy christian i was the kind of crazy christian uh and i grew up in a family of crazy christians we were the kind of people that would um forego our own family's needs to help somebody else uh we we did that sort of thing we would um you know uh, let people stay uh, in our homes when we didn't have extra rooms <laughs> you know that kind of thing um and you know my father was the kind of person that you know if there was someone who needed help he would borrow money uh to help you know and and deal with the debt uh i am i'm am a little bit of that crazy christian and so uh, just because uh, all the proceeds are going to coronavirus that doesn't make me a saint Uh, that just probably makes me a little brain damaged from my upbringing um and i and again i don't begrudge anyone who finds a way to make money but if you are in a position where you're making money off of your talents please consider donating some of it uh toward the cause uh you don't have to be crazy but uh we need each other uh right now it's in and it's also just a bad look if um You know, you're perceived as making a lot of money and you're talking about charity, but you're not, you know, you're not putting it toward that cause. So um, from my from mine, I can tell you, I I wrote about 10,000 words and there were 10,000 words that uh, I left out. (laughs) So um, there is there was a lot that I wanted to say that I didn't say. And my, my tone was actually very conciliatory, and I, and I looked at the shortcomings of, of both sides of the aisle. But I think, in summary, what I would say that I, that I left out is I have never in my lifetime seen a more clear uh, argument for the non existence of God this is this is it the um the forest fires in australia uh were good uh, forest fires in uh, california those were those were good uh this is better um, if if there's a god who can act um, there's there's his his silence is deafening and if you just look at all of the prayers that go up from the faithful who honestly believe that there should be some kind of result. The lack of result is astounding. It's shocking. And what is even more shocking to me is how people continue to hang on to a faith while they're burying their grandparent, their spouse, their 30 year old athletic daughter, their six-year-old child while they're while they're burying those people and still going to god for help and support i have never seen a greater repudiation of the christian god uh, in my life than this and it is very very hard to maintain uh, the high level of respect that I have for so many Christians, when they continue to go unfazed in in the face of all this, you must surely acknowledge what the rest of us see, but they don't, and they continue to say that we're the ones with the with the uh, crusty old hearts who've made up their mind. Uh, against the evidence well I don't even I don't even know how to to address that so uh, there was there was much that I wanted to say about that but didn't but for now I want to thank uh, our guests Matthew and uh, Sarah and uh, just to make one final plea come to skeptics and seekers that is skepticsandseekers.squarespace.com the very first tab Uh, it says uh, surviving corona click on that And follow the prompts. Follow the prompts. They all lead to giving. One of the prompts leads to giving $2.99 American dollars. uh, $2.99. The other prompt leads to uh, a donation button. um, And you can uh, give any amount. And I suggest that you give any amount. If you want the download... Uh, I am sorry this is how it has to work for now. I wish that I could uh do it differently if you want the the book download uh do two ninety uh click on the um, the book uh it will cost you two ninety nine and then after you have bought the book also make a donation do 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 both. Do both. I know there, there are transaction fees. That transaction fee is going to cost you probably 25 cents. It's outrageous. It's freaking outrageous. It might cost you a dollar. I understand that. I'm as angry about that as you. Do both. Do both. This is not for me. I do not benefit from this. I will spend the next two or three months trying to sell this damn book so that we can give $5,000 to the International Red Cross. Okay, that's, that's my life uh, at this point. And so you're going to hear a lot of this from me. Do that. Help us reach that goal. It doesn't matter whether you're a believer or a non-believer. Uh, at this point, you know someone who has been affected by the coronavirus. They either have the virus or they know someone who has the virus. You're no more than one or two degrees away from this, and it's not going away anytime soon. Uh, we don't know how to best help people. You know what? You can take $5 and give it to your neighbor. That's a help. But if you take that and give it to the International Red Cross, they can do even more. They they know exactly uh, where the needs are. I used to work for the International Red Cross. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, the American Red Cross uh once upon a time it's a fantastic organization you get the calls and it just breaks your heart people call uh in the middle of the night they have a fire uh the red cross sends out teams you wonder what happens when people's houses burn down they call the red cross and the red cross goes out there and they have blankets and they have teddy bears for the kids and they put you up in a hotel and they uh, make sure you have something to eat, and they take care of you before your insurance does. That's what the Red Cross does. If you wonder what the Red Cross does, they also take uh, uh, blood donations, and they save a lot of lives with those donations. These people know exactly uh, who's being affected directly and who are also suffering from the secondary effects of the coronavirus. This is why I chose this organization, because I could take $50 and... You know, take it to a local food bank, or I can give it to the American uh, International Red Cross, and they know exactly where that fifty dollars is going to do the most good. Help me, help me, help as many people as we can by making a generous donation uh, to this cause. And we thank you so much for your support. And with that, uh, it uh, it has been great talking to you, and we will be back. Keep it uh, keep it locked uh, on this. Blog post, book market, and you will see, as the days and weeks go by, interviews with other uh, authors from Surviving Corona. Thank you all so much.
2: Thank you. That was awesome. Buy the book.